From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm just so grateful. I still haven't found a way of articulating properly like how supremely lovely this is. It's odd with Promising a Woman because the, the film, yeah, the film is quite, it, it is challenging and it is tricky and it does provoke a lot of very understandable emotions on all sides of the argument. So I very rarely get to tell people or say how wonderful this is and how amazing the whole experience has been. It's been quite a whirlwind for promising young woman, writer and director Emerald Fennell. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Podcast, we talk to promising young woman producers Margot Robbie and Josie McNamara, as well as the film's writer-director, Emerald Fennell. But first, on the Awards Circuit Roundtable, we share our SAG Award predictions for both TV and film. No joke, it's all on the April 1st edition of Variety's Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis, Film Awards Editor at Variety, here today with Janelle Riley. First hey, today. Hey, first. Dibs. First, first. <laughs> uh, Jazz Tanke. Hello. I don't mind being second. <laughs> and last, bottom of the totem pole, Michael Schneider. Bottom of the totem pole. But first in your heart. But number one in your hearts, uh, and and let me say a belated happy birthday to Lady Gaga. Thanks to Jazz and Clayton for uh, repping the Gaga birthday over the weekend. Go to Variety.com. Check out all the content. And Tarantino. Quincy Tarantino, too. Tarantino. That's right. Don't forget the fanboys. Exactly. They don't like like being forgotten. No, not at all. Not at all. So how's everyone doing? Oh, you know. (laughs) This is a long season. Can I just say that? (laughs) It is a very long season. Like, it's nearly April, but like... It feels like December 2026, but but we're here. It's a crazy time, and it's like uh, I'm fascinated by all the drips and drabs of the Oscar ceremony mm. stuff that's coming out. The every ten seconds, yeah, every ten seconds or something different. Um, yeah, but glass half full. I'm getting vaccinated this week. I finally got oh, wow. the ball. Yay! Fine. Well, I don't, I don't I don't know if it's gonna be the one shot or two because they don't give you a choice here. But yeah, little known fact: Clayton is 65. I don't know. <laughs> It's because New Jersey started, they started with 65 uh, and smokers. 65 and older and smokers were the first ones. And then they just opened it to everyone else. Yeah, I saw you on Twitter talking about how, you know, you were wondering when you were going to get it. And then you got the notification. Like, like you just that, put it out in the like, universe. It scared the hell out of me. Like, that, I was like, oh my God, they're listening. So they're listening to this right now, too, probably. But hey, yeah, you got a I'm listener. A, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Be good. Yeah. Now, now we got to decide. Like, are you? Uh, so, are you getting the Pfizer, the Moderna, or the Johnson you don't know, and Johnson? Do you? No, yeah. they don't, you don't find out till you get no. there. So, and I do have to. I have to drive to another city. It's not even in my city. A lot of people who are driving three hours out of their way because yeah. you know they're they're going to places in California where there's a surplus because there's a lot of people who are refusing to get it in certain pockets of this state. And yeah, so. And, and the people at the vaccination sites are, like, so grateful they're there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I had a friend who just drove to Loma Linda in, uh, you know, Riverside County the, the other day just to, to get their jab. And, and he's like, now I'm going to have to go back for the second jab in a couple of weeks. Another <laughs> nice two drive. hours out of my way. Yeah. But, hey, listen to podcasts. <laughs> and like someone drove to Oxnard. They were like, I'm, I can get it there, so I'm going to go there. Like, you said Oxnard? Me? Yes. 
Is that an English place? No, no, it's no. It's a lovely beachside community. I am not from California. I'm not living there yet, so I don't know. When you even say Riverside County, I don't know what that, like... I don't know what Oxnard is. I don't don't know where anything... All I know is where L.A. is, and I know that Tijuana, I think, is two and a half hours away. That's Someone told me that. That's what they say, but if you hit traffic, you're screwed. Oh, yeah. On a Friday night, it's not going to be two and a half hours, I tell you that (laughs) much. (laughs) So with that, SAG Awards are this week, guys. Yeah. One hour ceremony, although... Happy Easter, SAG. That's right. It's Easter as well. Oh, wow. We would have had it already in a normal, well, if they would have kept their original date, but Grammys said, F you, SAG. We're going to right on top of you. The Recording Academy just, just like like <laughs> strong-arming their way into March 14. Like, that's a power move just to be like, no, here. Power is one word for it. Yeah, I think it was it was a power move, and it was also that they didn't even bother to check. No, to, to I really see. don't think they knew. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think they cared. I think they just said, "Hey, we're just sticking it here." Oh, sorry, SAG didn't know. <laughs> yeah, except except they never actually said sorry. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Right. <laughs> Unless they knew they were going to do the pre-recorded format no, anyway. No, that came about more. Well, actually, Michael Schneider would have the scoop. He knows all mm. about the SAG awards. In this week's issue, he talked to the producers. Yeah, so it's going to be a. I mean, it's going to be an hour. Thank you to the uh, producing gods. Well, it's only, but but yeah, I don't know what the show's going to really be other than just nonstop award, 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 award. There's not going to be it's a lot much, to give out. Much time. Yeah. There's 13 awards, yeah. so there's that's not much time to do anything else. Well, it's, it's going to be an hour, right? Uh, yeah, it's an hour, hour pre- That's it. Hour, no. and then uh, the winners will be known. Wednesday and Thursday this week. Oh, is that when when they're recording it? That's when they're recording it, Wednesday and Thursday, yeah. Uh, Bets on who spills the beans first? Yeah, I was going to say. I I give it 10 minutes. 10 minutes after. (laughs) 10 minutes. Sorry, whenever I use the term, I don't know if you guys are Brooklyn Nine-Nine watchers, Michael Schneider, but whenever Uh I say spill the beans, all I can hear is Captain Holt saying, why would anyone ever intentionally spill beans? In addition to being one of nature's best sources of protein, they are absolutely unsullied by flavor. (laughs) It will be out there 10 minutes. Well, so the, the, the question is, though, like, are we going to, I mean, it's it's technically embargoed, so how, how? I won't be the person to break that embargo, but if somebody else breaks it, I will retweet that stuff, man. Yeah. <laughs> film, film, and right. li- film and limited series will be known on Thursday. All the other TV categories are on uh, Wednesday. Um, also, just to bring this back to Ted Lasso, which is inevitable, <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Jeanette, that's like five minutes into the podcast. Speaking of Ted Lasso, that's yes. uh, the Ted Lasso cast shot like a little two-minute sketch that they said will be airing on the SAG Awards. So I'm like, hey, if they have time for that, like again, this hour runtime, I'm I'm just not sure. I mean, I think you can run through it pretty fast. Like you don't understand how much time is like. Cut like cause there's gonna be no host, there's gonna be no banter, you know. I do, I do hope they still do the, you know. Uh, I'm an my actor. name's my, my name's Eugene Levy, and uh, I'm an actor. Michael Schneider, would you like to comment on that? Yeah, that that's gonna be still a huge part of it. They're gonna sprinkle it throughout the the show. So yeah, I think because they're they're pre-producing all of this, they can edit this down. It'll be a sleek sort of quick hour where you know, mm. there's no no time to like wait for someone to get up on stage or even stumble over their speech. They'll edit down the accepted yeah. speeches if, if people are sort of, you know, aren't talking. So, yeah. so. Uh, hopefully it'll be better than uh, the pre-recorded PGA awards that had many typos in their oh, names. My oh my God. Stephen Yun, 
And Irfan Khan, the late Irfan Khan. Oh. Which they just made up a first name. It wasn't even spelled wrong. It was just like really like mutilated. But copy editors, shout out to all the copy editors. <laughs> yeah. still, they still matter. They're, they yeah. still play a very important role. And that's copy what happens when you don't have copy editors. Something I like about this format that like we didn't have at the WGA and I believe the PGA, because they did pre-record their acceptance speech, they were pre-recording not knowing if they had won or not. Yeah. And at least in this situation, it'll be the nominees in a Zoom room together, you know, and we'll you'll, you'll get that really natural response if when someone finds out they've won. Right, right, because they'll actually know that they won. So, so I think that's smart. And and since it'll be pre-recorded, it won't be the awkwardness of the Globes where you had everyone sitting in a Zoom room like, do we speak now? Who am I talking to? Hello, what's this? After the break, it's best <laughs> comedy. I can't believe I'm advocating for a longer award show, but I just don't know how they're going to fit it into an hour. Yeah, but maybe, maybe we won't get a stunt ensemble on the red carpet. Maybe they'll actually let them speak, you know, on the on, on, during the show. But uh, actually, let, let's run through predictions and stuff because that's the way to do this. And we're going to go through TV and film because Mike is equally important here. And we're oh, sure he's always you. involved. <laughs> I have a and I'm going place through, at the table. Yeah, I'm going from bottom to top uh, on Variety.com's uh, listing of it. So outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble. The Boys, Cobra Kai, Lovecraft Country, The Mandalorian, Westworld. What do you got, Mike Schneider? It feels like Mandalorian, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you always have to think with 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 SAG, especially. This is a this is what? How many people? One hundred twenty five thousand people voting yeah, around there. Like so you you got to go always with the populist, uh, you know. And and by far of all those shows, Mandalorian was the one everyone was you know talking about watching. So, is uh, is the upset Cobra Kai? Because that's what I think. Um, maybe yeah, yeah, just for fun. Let's say Cobra Kai's the upset. <laughs> All right. Uh, action performance by Ascent Ensemble in a motion picture, The Five Bloods, Mulan, News of the World, The Trial of the Chicago Seven, and Wonder Woman 1984. I'm going with Mulan. As am I. You were. Did, I thought previously you thought it would be Wonder Woman 1984. I did. I, did. I, t- I brought you over to the dark side. Well, yeah, it's a lot. A lot changes when you when you sit down and you're like, it's my final predictions. I can only like. I can't change it back, <laughs> and then it just makes you like look at things differently. Uh, but yeah, I just go Mulan. It could easily be Wonder Woman though. It's the, I think that's the number two in the category. Jazz, Mulan. I switched. <laughs> I, I yes. no. The more I think about it, the more. I mean, I went back and revisited Mulan, and yeah, stunning it, fighting Mulan, sequences. Yeah, and number two, Wonder Woman. I mean, that gavel that Frank Langella throws down in Trial of Chicago Seven, though. Some ha, dangerous ha, stuff. What an amazing there. sequence. There's some dangerous that stuff. Is, that should have won. Yeah, yeah that was, that was win, a CGI but... gavel. Though. I don't know if you <laughs> <Yeah>. know that. <laughs> I don't hear Spielberg talking about that now. Um, outstanding performance by a male actor in a TV movie or miniseries. Bill Camp, Queen's Gambit, David Diggs, Hamilton, Hugh Grant, The Undoing, Ethan Hawke, The Good Lord Bird, and Mark Ruffalo. I know this much is true. Give it well, to the Mark rough. Mark Ruffalo, yeah, he's going to complete it. his sweep. Clean yep. sweep. Yep. Ended yep. up. Give it to the rough. Could, could you see Ethan Hawke as an upset? Because it's just such a good performance. And when people see it, they love it. But I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I mean, he's fantastic. I don't think enough people saw it. I would say Hugh Grant is the upset because he's Hugh Grant. Um, but but I think Ruffalo, kind of, kind of, just because Ruffalo's been taking it the entire mm. time. So I mean, I think- they have more screen time. But let's let's be honest, if this was... 
if they had supporting categories, Mr. Scheibel would be taking this. Because talk about people people love, Bill Camp. Mm-hmm. I think Bill Camp might be the upset because he's just one of those. I think when it comes to like like those uh, journeyman actors and just people yeah. that have just been around forever, like they love when they have like this opportunity to really. I think of like William H Macy winning for Shameless a few years back. Like sometimes, like he wasn't ever going to win the Emmy, but you just want to give it to him because you love him so much. So I'm going to stick with Hugh Grant as the upset. Ruff for the win, Hugh Grant for the upset. Just because, remember, I mean, everybody was talking about that performance every week. Well, if you really want to pick the one that everyone has seen and loved, it would be Davy Diggs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, it comes down to the, the, there's also that still question of was Hamilton really a TV yeah. production? And, and um, yeah, and I think the problem with Bill Camp is he just wasn't in Queen's Gambit enough. I mean, I he was know. great when he was, but... Yeah, so I think that's the one, too. And then, it's so cool he got nominated, though. Also, another reason why we need supporting categories at SAG, and I don't know why we don't yet. Like, it really makes no sense Oh, you want the show to be longer? Is that yeah. what you want, Clayton? Like, it's two more categories. Like, just ask for two more. That's True. Um, all right, female actor in a TV movie or miniseries, Kate Blanchett, Mrs. America, Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You, Nicole Kidman, The Undoing, Anya Taylor-Joy, The Queen's Gambit, and... Carrie Washington, Little Fires Everywhere. I give it to Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah, Queen's Gambit is sweeping. Queen's Gambit is sweeping. Upset could be Michaela Cole. I would um, love that too, yeah. Yeah. But oh. it, it does feel like just Queen's Gambit is, you know, that 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 thing's been on fire. So. Oh, I was thinking it's going to be Kate Blanchett, maybe. I I feel like that Mrs. America feels like so long ago. I mean, it's, 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 it's like yeah. 30 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're 100% true. But both, both on screen and off. Yeah, like um, it's so long. It was actually a documentary. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I don't think it had quite the impact that, say, a Queen's Gambit did or, yeah. or even I May Destroy You. So. Yeah, would be great. Uh, male actor in a comedy series, Nicholas Holt, Dan Levy. Eugene Levy. I said, I said them both wrong. I just realized I said them differently. The last name, that's how we're going to do it. Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> and they're Robin not really Yusuf. related. <laughs> no, no, not really related. On the count of three, let's all say it. One, two, three. Dan Jason Sudeikis. No, Sudeikis. Oh, come I'm, on. Oh, my gosh. I, I'm going with an upset. I think it's going to be Dan. I think it might be Dan. Really? I mean, I think Eugene is the upset. I think it's yeah. it's. It's Sudeikis or Eugene, but I think it's Sudeikis, um, especially after Globes. And I think that's the way they honor Ted Lasso. Uh, oh, you don't think it's getting ensemble? I don't think it gets ensemble. I, I think I think there will be time for it eventually to get ensemble. But I think this don't year... Don't jump jo- ahead, Mike yeah, Schneider, with your prediction. That was my fault. That was my fault. <laughs> <laughs> All right, com- um, comedy actress. Uh, Christina Applegate, Linda Cardellini, Kaylee Cook. Kaylee Cuoco? I've been, someone said Cuco, and then I was like, isn't it Cuoco? And then I think this new Amanda Seyfried thing we're <laughs> here. I've and never heard say, it Cuco, though. No, someone, it's Cuoco. I'm cuckoo for Cuco. They said it during a PGA awards. People, yeah, they also mispronounced Mina Reed. That is true. Yeah. All right. And they also couldn't spell Stephen Yin. So. P- PGA Andy, was just a mess, weren't they? Uh, yeah, true. <laughs> just a mess. Uh, Annie Murphy, Schitt's Creek, and Catherine O'Hara, Schitt's Creek. I think we can all say Catherine O'Hara. Catherine O'Hara. Yeah. Yeah, that's Absolutely. my guess. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Ups, upset Kaylee? Yeah, I'd, I'd say upset, but but definitely Catherine O'Hara. Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, male actor drama series, Jason Bateman, Sterling K. Brown, Josh O'Connor, Bob Odenkirk, Reggae Jean Page. Oh. oh. Reggae Jean Page. This is a tougher one. Yeah. I lean, I, I still lean towards Bateman just because he's like the actor's actor, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's won this before. Love, yeah. They, they, they love, love that show. And do they? Yeah, they, they, they always do. nominated. As, as an ensemble, yeah, I think it just as I think he's been the only representation win for it. I mean, listen, I, I, he was my he was my choice before I submitted the, the my predictions on Gold Derby. I, I think I went with Josh O'Connor because I, I wasn't really buying the Josh O'Connor for a while. Oh my gosh, and, but he's but been yeah, cleaning up. Yeah, like not, not, when I said not buying it, like not buying that he was going to like win stuff. Like when he won the Golden Globe, like that said that slapped me in the face. So I was like, oh, so like. He is a thing, so I think I think it just might continue to be him. Yeah, and I think uh, he's he's a good upset. Um, you know, I, uh, it it does feel like it's down to Bateman and O'Connor, but you know, I guess don't sleep on Reggae Jean Page as well. Yeah, um, there's so much momentum there, and you know, damn it, like Bob Odenkirk should probably be winning this every year, and I don't understand how he has yet to win. He's going to have his uh, William H Macy moment soon. I feel. That's I hope so because yeah, no. that whole cast just hasn't gotten the 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 awards love that it should. Although maybe he can win a maybe he can win a, a SAG award for his lead performance in Nobody. Currently, I believe the number one movie next you know? year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Although, stunt performer next year. Although I've read some of those reviews. Oof. Oh, really? It's fun. I thought it was a really fun movie. I I haven't seen it, so yeah. I, and it's I not an awards it, movie, but, but yeah. There is no su- there is no such thing as an awards movie. It's just good movies. Okay, Dad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, good. I, I'm glad to hear because I, I was dissuaded by some of those reviews. But if it has the Janelle Riley stamp of approval, I'm back in. <laughs> Female actor in a drama series: Jillian uh, Anderson, Olivia Coleman, Emma Corrin, all from The Crown. Julia Garner and Laura Linney, both from Ozark. Wow. So it's either going to be someone from The Crown or Ozark. I'll oh, yeah. tell you that. That's a good. That's a good bet. Jillian Anderson. I, yeah, I think. I think it's between Emma and Jillian, and yeah, I kind of just see Jillian too, yeah. pulling it out. I agree, and so you go with the bigger name, uh, you know, and and so Jillian Anderson sort of pulls ahead with Emma Corn being the upset. Um, yeah, it is surprising because after all this time, and, and how I've said like always, Olivia Coleman, whenever she's nominated, it's just when you have these other two superstars now, sort of you know, in the mix from the Crown as well. Um, yeah, I think I think it's Jillian. And weirdly, this season of The Crown really wasn't about the Queen as much as it has been in the past. Right. I mean, it, it, it still, you know, it, it was her relationship, especially with Thatcher, more so than, you know, so, so it was kind of a two-hander there. And then, you know, obviously, uh, Charles and Diana was the focus this season. So, I mean, The Crown is about the Burger King crown, right, getting invented at Burger King? Right, this is what it's about. Nobody it's, say anything. Just glare. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's a. It's about the death of Crown Books, the uh, chain of bookstores <laughs> oh, from the eighties. Nice, 80s, nice. So. This is where we kick uh, you off the Zoom yeah. call, Clayton. That's right. I'm yeah. the host now. I can. I can <laughs> oh, move it. She, she give her power and <laughs> the power. Ensemble in a comedy series, Dead to Me, Flight Attending, The Great Shit's Creek, Ted Lasso. Oh, Shit's Creek. Yeah, I, I think this will be the uh, probably the final big Shit's Creek party, right? Bye. So. Say bye. It's okay. Nope, I'm sticking with Ted Lasso. Okay. I mean, it's Ted Lasso's definitely upset. Again, I go back to the the huge voting body of of SAG yeah. voters, and probably a good chunk of them 
don't have Apple TV or haven't been watching You're Apple TV and haven't right. yet picked up on the the Ted Lasso amazingness. So um, they will, but they pro- they're probably not there yet. But they are there with Shit's Creek. So yeah, and they feel like they can do it next season too. And they yeah. were late to Shit's Creek, so. <laughs> Okay, so right. you're probably right, but I'm not switching. Uh, ensemble in a drama series, Better Call Saul, Bridgerton, The Crown, Lovecraft Country, Ozark. <laughs> it's got to be The Crown, right? Crown, crown, crown. Yeah. It's all about The Crown. Yeah. My, crown uh, my, my upset, though, upset pick, I think, is Lovecraft. I don't I mean, know if that the, matters. Because yeah. I, I think it's just so The Crown, but... Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think... It, it, I mean, it's a good crop, right? Um, because, like we're saying, they do love Ozark, but then there is that Bridgerton, which has a huge ensemble, and they also do love those huge British ensembles. Um, so if it's, you know, Crowd or Bridgerton, very, uh, you know, Oh, maybe they split the vote. And Better Call Saul walks away with and it. And Better Call Saul comes out <laughs> the middle. Yeah. Sadly, for whatever reason, they, they, they at least they nominate Saul. But they're, I they're know just... it's just crazy to me how good, like, and probably I think the best season of the show, and that Jonathan just... Banks did not get yeah. nominated for, which is terrible. Oh, for the Emmy, you mean? Yeah, for Emmy. Yeah, last year. it was insane. That was Biggest insane. miss. He was the Paul Giamatti sideways of the year. Uh, film categories. Best performance by a male actor in a supporting role: Chadwick Boseman, The Five Bloods, Sasha Baron Cohen, Charles Chicago Seven, Daniel Kaluuya, Judas and the Black Messiah, Jared Leto, The Little Things, and Leslie Odom Jr., One Night in Miami. Jared Leto, of course. He's gonna pull it at yourself, but I'm lying, obviously. I'm a liar. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya continues his reign. I think it's. I think it's him. I think you're right. I think, and if if he seals this one, I think it's that that's it. But I don't know. I'm kind of like thinking about Sasha Baron Cohen more and more. Yeah, I think this is his last. I think this is his last stand to make yeah. up to make the declaration. Because if he won this, he wins it without Lakeith being in the category, and then they can make that at Oscar that Daniel and Lakeith are splitting votes, and then Sasha's the upset pick. So, although I don't believe in splitting votes, I think you're right. Yeah. So yeah, my thing would be Daniel and then Jared Leto. They do love him. I like that performance. I yeah, I like that. Yeah, movie. I think you and you and I both do, right? Yeah, so. yeah. A lot of people do. Yeah, I like the two. Yeah, I think he's pro- probably too polarizing though. To, to yeah, I mean, get... yeah, and he's not nominated for Oscar. Can I just say though, by the way, I think we could get a huge wrench and it'd be Chadwick Boseman because something else is happening. A lead actor. That's what I am seriously leaning towards. That. And if that yeah. happens, anarchy. I've heard that. Yeah, it could happen. I mean, I could see that because, again, that's where you're dealing with a huge voting body and there'll be a chunk of the voting body that's just like Chadwick all day. And Wasn't the fa- – oh, sorry, I'm jumping ahead, but it, it feels like a lot of people are just now seeing The Father. Oh, yeah, because it finally came out this weekend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. And film, and film Twitter acted very accordingly and, and, and not obnoxious at all about it because they're always so great. Uh, they were not no, judgmental. No, no, listen. The, the listen. We we've known for months that the movie's good, so people got to discover it. But you don't have to discredit other nominees in the category because you like the movie so much. But actually, let's go to lead actor since that's a natural. Yeah, since it's uh, good, yeah. Uh, Riz Chadwick Boseman, Anthony Hopkins, Gary Oldman, Stephen Young. Uh, so yeah, so people are predicting that Anthony could win because he's never won a SAG before. I don't think they know that though. I think it's purely based on how amazing that performance is. Yes. In theory, yes. 
that is true. However, there have just been so many instances when they've rewarded people that they haven't because SAG wasn't around or they got it wrong the Oscar year. And that's, you know, Judy Dench winning for Shock a lot, uh, Christopher Walken winning for Catch Me If You Can, uh, Sean Penn winning the second time for Milk. He didn't win for Mystic River. Uh, Kathy Bates won for Primary Colors because she wasn't around, uh, it wasn't around for Misery. So it, it could. I'm not saying it will, but it, I think it's on the table. And Denzel Washington, obviously, were for, for Fences. Those are all amazing performances, though, that I think, like, won on their own merits. I don't know that anybody was like, well, I didn't vote for Denzel well, in 92, so here you <laughs> well, go. Well, listen, I don't think they, they actively think that way, but it just it's a pattern of behavior. By the way, Chocolat is not uh, the crowning Judy Dench moment. <laughs> I would ar- argue neither is Shakespeare in Love, but she won the Oscar yeah, for that. That's because Mrs. Brown wasn't around. Should have won for Mrs. Brown. Yeah. Actually, she should have won for Shakespeare in Love, so I yeah, shouldn't say one. that, but it's, like, not like even, that it's not even in her top five. So, so what? So, what do you, are we all sticking with Chadwick until further notice? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I kind of want to go out on a limb, but the truth is, I don't know if I would say Anthony Hopkins or Riz Ahmed. Well, you know, because um, there's, you know, everyone has seen Sound of Metal. Um, everybody loves Riz. He's been out there. It's, it's, you know, such a great performance. I don't know. I guess yes. The smart money would be on Chadwick Boseman, but yeah. there's just a part of me that is like. <sighs> I don't know. Mike, have you seen The Father yet? I have not seen The Father. I am the father. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jazz, and you're sticking with Chaz, right? Sticking with Chadwick. That's a Chaz. Chad. 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 (laughs) Chaz. Chaz. Yeah, good old Chaz Bozeman. Uh, Female actor in a supporting role, Maria Bakalova, Glenn Close, Olivia Coleman, Yu Jung Yoon, Helena Zangle. I've been saying it since October. I'm not changing. Maria yeah. Bakalova. Yeah. And when she wins this, can people please stop saying she has no shot at the Oscar? Oh, yeah. I always, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hate that part. Like, she always had it. She always had a shot. But if she wins this, I don't know how you don't predict her for Oscar. Thank you. But people still, still will. You, she will have won everything by then. So, yeah. But I'm not predicting Maria, though. You're predicting YJ? YJ. I, I think she is a significant, that could absolutely happen. Yeah. But I also think Olivia Coleman could do it too. Don't forget Glenn Close. I don't know. I think the Glenn thing is not happening. Glenn's done. Really? I don't think she is, but. I, I, I think she's Peter O'Toole. She is now Peter O'Toole part two. I don't, I mean, SAG loved Hillbilly Elegy. They nominated Amy Adams. True. But I don't, I don't think. 18,000 people? Is that what, what, it, what the membership is? I don't think 18,000 18, people. No, it's like 150,000. <laughs> no, that vote. Wait, what did you say before, Mike? What's that? The, What's the number you gave her? How many members? Of like staff? around 140, 150,000? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, see, when, when Mike said it, he believes it. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I, I, I thought he said 18,000. I think I was, I think I was, I didn't hear it correctly. But Mike, I have some ideas I'd like to pitch for the next story <laughs> meeting. If you could, if you could say them on my behalf so they get approved. 
But that's what when, whenever I do my predictions for SAG, I'm always thinking about like it's it's not just the actors either. It's it's like the DJs in Cincinnati, yeah. and you know it's it's just it's people across the country who have a SAG after card who aren't necessarily even in the Hollywood, and, and so you just have to think like what is the populist? This is probably the most populist uh, awards of, of of anything other than People's Choice, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so so you don't have to take that into account. All right. So everyone's on Maria, except for me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live on this island. All right. That's fine. You guys could totally be right. But I, like I said, I think if she wins here, then you just got to choose her for Oscar, no matter what happens at BAFTA. All right. And uh, lead actress, Amy Adams, Viola Davis, Vanessa Kirby, Francis McDormand, Carrie Mulligan. All right. We're going Carrie. And I don't buy the also the film Twitter discourse that if Carrie loses here, it's over because I think it's a silly declaration because I don't think we've ever had in recent memory like an actress race that seems very fluid for possible winners. Yeah, we winners. really don't know. That's yeah. that's the crazy thing. Like, I assume it's Carrie. Um, but, like, is that based on my own hype? You know, and, and the fact that I can't From stop Twitter. watching this movie. Yeah, because, oh, my God, if it, if it ended up being Vanessa Kirby, I'd be thrilled. You know, if it was Frances McDormand, I couldn't argue with that. Viola did like this lineup is insanely good. And, and it's all about who she loses to. And that and that and that I was just explaining that to someone earlier. If Vanessa Kirby or Frances McDormand win, that's going to matter a lot because there are the only two that are nominated at BAFTA. But if Viola Davis wins, I don't. I don't think that necessarily means that Viola's winning or losing. I think then we still just have a very fluid race in the works. And remember, Andrew Day could still, in theory, happen at Oscar. But, I mean, listen, it's never happened before. There's no precedent for it. But it could because this is an unprecedented year. Anything could happen. That's what I have to keep telling myself when I start shaking my head. Yeah. (laughs) But but also Francis, interesting. Francis and Carrie are the only two ways to reward the films because they're not nominated in SAG Ensemble, so they may see it as like a we can vote for it somewhere prize. Where where are you, Jazz? Carrie? I still think Car- Carrie's going to get it, but like Jenna said, I wouldn't be upset if anybody else won in this category. It's such a good category. I mean, they're all pretty good, but this is one where I'm just like, I pretty much anyone would make me happy. And then motion picture cast, The Five Bloods, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, Minati, One Night in Miami, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Uh, I think there's the two best picture nominees are what's fighting it out. And I just, I stayed safe and went with Chicago Seven, but I had to choose Minati somewhere. I was like, I'm going in SAG Ensemble or I'm doing YJ. That's interesting because I think if YJ wins... Uh, actress in a supporting role, then Minari is definitely winning ensemble. Can I ask you a question? Would that would the narrative change then? Because I would then argue that Minari is the upset at Oscar. Then it's well, I've thought that for a long time. Yeah. yeah, in fact, I predicted it to win PGA. It didn't, but it, it really was almost the extent of like throwing a, a, a dart because there were four movies I felt had a really good chance at winning PGA, and I I just felt like I'm I'm big on saying promising young woman can win. And watching the momentum on that movie, but I didn't feel it was quite at its peak yet to win PGA. Still think it can win Oscar, but yeah, I, I went with Minari for for PGA, and I was wrong. So you should listen to nothing I say. <laughs> uh, and, that, and that's that's what's helped Mo- Nomadland immensely in this kind of steamroll it's doing. No one can no one can agree on the number two. 
If you can't agree on number two, there is no number two. It's just the number one. Wow, that's <laughs> that so profound. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is no number two. There is, there is no number two. It's just number one. Yeah. Number no, one. You're right. You make a good point. It's all that matters. But then watch it be one night in Miami and just throw things off. Which honestly would be great. They're great. I, I, this is I, another I, yeah. one where like, yeah. It could be very, it would be very reactionary to missing a Oscar best picture. So yeah, that, that would actually make sense. Black Panther, listen, everyone forgets that Hidden Figures beat Moonlight. Oh, I don't forget. That year. Yeah. Like that, that was like such like. Well, Moonlight was not favored to even win that year. I don't think. I feel it like, was favored to yeah. win SAG Ensemble because La La Land wasn't nominated, and everyone was like, "Oh, this Moonlight can get this," and maybe. And then they said, towards. "Well, it has no shot at Best Picture now." Exactly, and that's exactly <laughs> what people did. It lost, and people were like, "Oh, it, like it's number two, but now La La Land runs away with it." And then, and it did for all of two minutes. It, it, yeah, it did for two, for yeah. two minutes. Uh, One of the, uh, yeah. Good times, good times. All right, so this week on the pod, it is Promising Young Woman Week. Speaking of, Margot Robbie, Josie McNamara, uh, Oscar nominee Josie McNamara, and then Emerald Fennell. Oh, cool. When am I doing those? Because I just assume I'll be doing those interviews. Look at Clayton's face. (laughs) (laughs) Snap. (laughs) No, I've done a lot with that film, and so I actually... And we've had Emerald on the podcast. Yes, we have, and I talked to her and Carrie, and they were great. Yeah. Uh, Emerald talks, uh, there's already little birds uh, out there already, but she talks about uh, not uh, not wanting to miss the Oscars. Yeah. She's in London, right? Yeah. And she's hosting SNL. Uh, Carrie Mulligan is hosting SNL in the coming weeks. So I'm thinking like Emerald came in with her to the country and she's okay. Yeah. We'll see. Like in, in her luggage or something. Yeah. Daniel Kaluuya is hosting this week. Yeah. Which lead, which we know he's here then. So, so he's-, <laughs> he's here. <laughs> We've all been trying to figure out who's in America right now, trying to figure who's out where? Who, who, where, where the location is. I'll be is. curious to see how Daniel Kaluuya does as a host, because a lot of times those people who are perceived as very, very serious are the best hosts. On on Variety of War Circuit Podcast in January, he said, "Is I said, what movie do you really want to do next? And he said, a rom-com. So he this should. is This is his audition for Well, look, for look at him in Black Mirror, 15 million merits. Like, th- that guy, that guy can do anything. All right. So, Michael, I love you so much. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> Janelle, I love you. I love you not, more. I'm not even acknowledging this at this point. I love you more. Yeah, yeah. It's I love cool. you more. Look. Then like, I don't get any love. Oh, yeah. Jazz. Jazz. I'm busy next week. Jazz, you're wearing a Lakers shirt. I can't talk to you until. Oh, is that what it is? Yeah, it's a Lakers shirt. Yeah, you're I'm moving sorry. to LA. Get used to it. It's. I'm, I'm coming in a Knicks fan. I'm going to hold on to it. It's it's my one stain of life. And all right. It's all okay. Right. Okay, all fine. Right. We'll see y'all next week. See ya. It's Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. Promising Young Woman stars Carrie Mulligan as Cassandra, a woman who dropped out of medical school following a personal tragedy and who goes to bars pretending to be drunk to expose the bad behaviors of the male species. Every week, I go to a club, I act like I'm too drunk to stand, and every week, a nice guy comes over to see if I'm okay. You okay? You are so pretty. I am a nice guy. Are you? 
Margot Robbie and Josie McNamara are among the producers on Promising Young Woman, and they continue to marvel at the talent of the film's stars and writer-director Emerald Fennell. We'll talk to Fennell later in the episode, but first, Variety Film Awards editor Clayton Davis recently spoke to both Robbie and McNamara about the director, as well as the brilliance of stars Carrie Mulligan and Bo Burnham, and some of the challenges of making the film from quick pivots and random trains crashing the shots. For McNamara, who co-founded the production company Lucky Chap Entertainment with Robbie, Tom Ackerley, and Sophia Kerr, the two have been in a bubble on various projects, which speaks to their strong professional relationship and deep friendship. They began by discussing the fact that Robbie and McNamara were actually sitting next to each other in person as Clayton interviewed them on Zoom. We, uh, so Josie is practically my second husband. So we have been in the same COVID bubble for quite a while now, which obviously makes work easier, but makes just life a lot easier too. (laughs) It's it's so nice to have human contact. And uh, I know, yeah, we've, um, yeah. Well, it's the same, especially with the movie as well. I, you know, we haven't, the people, everyone from the movie hasn't haven't been together in so long that you see each other on these Q&As and you're like, oh, I can't wait to finally see you in person after over a year. So it's, uh, it's, it's surreal. It is so strange, isn't it? You just want to like reach through the screen and hug everyone and you just, yeah. there's so many things to celebrate at the, at the same time. But, but uh, it's, I don't know, the day will come. We'll all see each other. I have such a fun story for you real quick, Margo. So it was, a, it was like, uh, I could say a few weeks ago, but it probably was like five years ago because I don't know what time is anymore. But <laughs> I, was, I was looking at my social media and a picture came up of you and me uh, during the I, Tanya run. <laughs> and we, and we, were, we were holding each other. It was in a hotel room. It was in the Probably hotel. this close to each other's face and nothing was... It was nice. It was... All it, the old days. I cried a lot. It was, it was rough. <laughs> Will anyone ever do that again? Yeah, I know, right? Uh, Josie, I feel like I have to tell you something. Um, congratulations, Josie, on your Oscar you. nomination, Academy yeah. Award nominee. Yeah. How does that feel to say? Uh, very surreal. Yeah, it's it hasn't quite sunk in. Obviously, it's amazing, and it was um, it's been a crazy last couple of weeks. I don't. It probably won't sink in until it's all done, and then it kind of reflects on on what's happened. Um, but yeah, it's just, uh, it's it's nice to be recognized, I guess. Did, did you guys watch the nominations together in the bubble? We did, yeah, at 5, 5, 5 a.m. 5 a.m. I had to be at work at 6 a.m. And so we drove over with a bottle of champagne, hoping that we'd get to pop it. Yeah. So by the time we got to work, I'd already had half a bottle of champagne. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it's lovely. Um, and, then, and then, so, I, I mean... I, I was talking to Emerald actually just the other just the other day, who's a very delightful person, by the way. Yeah. Um, and we were talking, and I think we all forget how long this journey has been, like to this moment, because it premiered at Sundance. Yeah. This has been the year, the award season that doesn't end. And we finally got to this point. And you know, you when you make a movie, you don't set out to make an Academy Award nominated movie, but you two obviously saw you know, partnered with this on this project, what attracted you to even say yes to like, Leah, let's make this movie with her? It There was really no debate. There, there was, she was so impressive from the minute we met her. In fact, she was impressive from the minute we read her because first, yeah. the first introduction to Emerald was reading a half hour pilot. Um, and it, 
is a very different tone to Promising Young Woman, but it is so, it's so distinct in its voice. And that is always something that you kind of sit up a little straight in your seat and you're like, oh, here's someone who's got a real, yeah, they, they have their own voice and they're executing it really, really well right now. And so we were keen to meet her because of just that first sample we read. And then, of course, she just charmed us because she is yeah. just the most, like you said, delightful person ever. And she's so clever and warm and wonderful. And uh, yeah. And so we, we were just keen to be in business with her no matter what. And when she, we said, what else, you know, what do you have percolating? Any ideas? She said, I've got an idea. I'll come back and pitch it. She pitched uh, pretty much that whole cold open, pretty much the first, you know, seven minutes yeah. of the film, I suppose. And, uh, and said, and we were like, we're in. We're in. This is this is wonderful. <laughs> this is amazing. This you know, I it, which is nice. Um, Josie, I want to come to you for a sec. So, like, I think the role of a producer is very lost in casual consumer spaces, right? Like, you just hear, "I'm a producer of the movie," and they think like you throw dollar bills and then you sat home while people made a movie, which is a little hilarious. Not saying that it doesn't happen, I'm sure, with some out there, but you you guys obviously weren't. Uh, when you got into the entertainment space, did you want to be a producer or do you have, like, you know, an idea of just all types of storytelling abilities? Uh, well, funny, I, I was kind of one of the lucky people that my entrance to the film industry, like, my, my dad was in the industry in the camera department and I'd always... When I was younger, my holidays were always going to visit him on a set somewhere. So I'd kind of known that throughout my life, I'd end up in it somewhere. Hopefully, it was just, okay, what do I want to do? And I knew I wanted to be involved in the creative process. I knew it wasn't camera because I'd spent a bit of time with him in camera. And I used to have conversations with him. He was like, go and be a producer. It's where the money is, which is a complete lie. And he lied <laughs> yes. to me. But um, That's something someone in the camera department would but, say. Yeah, but it was, he, he was like, but you should go and get on-set experience and, and, you know, learn that way because I think it's important. So I kind of went in as a PA and kind of worked in the AD department, worked up through there, which is obviously how I met, um, met Tom and then obviously Margot. And, yeah, it was a great kind of training ground um, for particularly the on-set work. But obviously then the development side is what we kind of had to learn a bit more when... Um, when we started the company. But again, we were lucky enough to work with great people. And obviously Margot had a great eye because obviously from her analysis of scripts for, for when she was taking parts, it kind of helped Tom and I in terms of how we progressed as well. And then obviously when we got closer to doing shoots, we were like, okay, we get more and more comfortable every time, every day we get closer to the shoot. And then, you know, it kind of builds out from there. Let me bring it back to the film for a minute because you get this great thing going uh, Emerald talks about the first day of shooting and feeling like, all right, I guess we're going to do this. <laughs> like, like kind of that feeling of like, yeah, it's happening. Um, Margot and Joe, you know, you guys with production companies, people underestimate the risk of jumping into something, into a project, not knowing what it's going to look like in the end, especially with a first time director, first time uh, screenwriter as great as the idea is, obviously not, it doesn't always work out that way. Did you guys have any fears? Uh, and I, obviously not saying that you doubted Emerald, but just that general fear of like, this is big for us. Well, I kind of felt like we had it, to be honest. Yeah, well, and again, the great thing about Emerald as a filmmaker from that very first moment she pitched us when she delivered the script, she knew the movie in her head instantly and she yeah. could talk about it so 
so clearly that we could see the movie. And then it's the same when we, I think the first time we spoke to Film Nation, she, when we, the first conversation, they saw the movie so clearly from our conversation. And the same with Focus, that really there was no doubt that what she was going to do is then just about how, okay, how do we facilitate this? Which was obviously, you know, it's always tricky on any shoot of kind of making sure you have enough days, you have enough money, you know, you're prepped enough. But again, for the prep period, it was short, but again, everyone had such a clear vision that every HOD knew exactly what we had to do. So when we got to that first day of shooting, it was, okay, we've got a schedule here that works for us. If we do everything right, we'll be fine. And luckily, you know, everyone was, you know, on the same train that kind of went to plan. But yeah, there's definitely, there's always the fear somewhere that something might go wrong. But there's always, the, there's always the fear of the, yeah, the variables that you can't, it, no matter how carefully you prep something, something comes out of the field. And some jobs, it just, there's a million of them and it's always happening. And you're like, ah, we you know, but in some jobs, it, it doesn't happen that way. I feel like also, I definitely wasn't scared because I know that as an actor, she spent so much time, even though this was her directorial debut, she spent so much time on film set. You know, we've worked with first time directors before and, um, you know, you are a little bit like, okay, they haven't been on a film set before. You know, we're going to have to talk about how many takes you should do when it's an establisher and how many, t- you know, like there's there's just like there's a different side to um, learning what that kind of weird organism is that a film set is. But I didn't have that with Emerald because I knew yeah. she she had spent so much time on film sets before. And not only that, I, mean, I think more importantly than that, she, like Josie said, she had such a clear vision, but also she has the gift of being able to articulate her vision and how she's going to execute it. And she also says it in a way that makes you feel really confident that she's going to, you know, she's got it, you know. And I feel like our jobs at that point are just to support and facilitate that. There were definitely moments we had to pivot during the shoot. And again, I think for the credit to Kerry as well, you know, again, it's such a tight schedule. And every time we had to pivot, she was ready to kind of, shift when she needed to and you know we had moments like if you remember in the movie there's the train that goes past in the background where we smashed the car um that the train we had no idea that train was going to be there so it kind of appeared in the back of taking like oh god we have to now use this or go with it and we have to clear the train and we're like carrie we've got to go and she's did it again and the same with you know when we she's walking eating the hot dog that original shot was supposed to take place on a train track but we got to the location they were like there's actually another train going to come. We were like, what is it with trains in this shoot? And we were like, okay, we need to find somewhere else. And, it, you know, we had like four hours because of the light. So, again, it was to her credit, Emma's credit, and the crew were just like, you know, everyone was kind of thinking on their feet and getting creative. <laughs> so so you don't like trains anymore. That's where we got to. Not so. trains anymore, yeah. It's ironic because it's an expensive thing to incorporate if you wanted a train in. Yeah. It's a very rare <laughs> Yeah. to just get for free um yeah <laughs> yeah there's gonna be so many people watching your movie and hear this and be like i paid like 10 million dollars to get a train yeah, on. No, literally <laughs> that's a massive line item right yeah now. oh god it's awesome um carrie mulligan so i thanked emerald for this so i'm gonna thank you two for this thank you for ending the very long drought from carrie mulligan's first oscar nomination 12 years ago to this moment now which is long overdue so thank you for taking that uh, this burden off our shoulders. She's just <laughs> incredible in the role. Um, like, was it was it everything you expected and more, or you know, was she the first choice for it? Like, you know, who did you explore of anyone? 
First of all, I couldn't agree more. To me, Carrie is like a Meryl, like she should just be nominated. I mean, you don't even need to see the film. You can just, I can just rest assured it's going to be absolutely impeccable and brilliant. And, um, and she's just, she's so good. And I think what we were so excited about Carrie for this is it was just, I feel like it's very unexpected and surprising sort of casting for this role. But when you see it, you're like, oh, my God, she's so perfect. She's so perfect for it. To be honest, I was scared we wouldn't get her. But she's, again, just a credit to Emerald and Emerald's script, but also to Carrie who's like, absolutely, I'll take a chance because a lot of people don't want to take a chance on first-time directors, you know. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I get that. But, but no, Carrie's, Carrie knows a good thing when she sees it and she just delivered such a spectacular performance. And I swear I was just... I wish I kept the notepad when I was first watching like first round of dailies come in, <laughs> like have my notepad ready. Every take, I just be like, brilliant. She's brilliant. Oh my God, she's so good. Perfect. Oh my God. Every take. I was like, what are we, what's going to be in the edit? Every, how do you think it's so good? I should have taken a picture because I read my notes back at the end. It was literally just a massive love letter to Carrie and how brilliant <laughs> she is. It was just, she's just, yeah, she's, she's amazing. And like Josie said, such a pro as well on set, you know, yeah very agile shift change go with the flow but also very exacting and I felt like that was kind of imbued in in the role of Cassie as well this kind of like very meticulous um approach I I just yeah yeah I don't think anyone could have done it better yeah I mean it's it's you know it's not a it's not an easy movie with some of the some of the scenes that she has to do but you know we do these tough scenes where she'd be so in character at tough moments and she'd step off and you'd be having a conversation about something completely different. And you're like, wow, I don't know how you kind of jump in there and do that. And then we just chat about something completely different off camera. And her relationship with Emerald as well was just so strong, which I th- really think helped because um, they've obviously formed, and I'm sure Emerald said this, they formed such a strong bond since that, mm. since the movie and during the movie. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that, you know, you can never plant, you never see that coming. And it's just so nice that that's going to come out of it. I have to level with Josie here on something that uh, Promising Young Woman made me feel bad about this year. I don't feel bad very often. I released my, if I had an Oscar ballot, what would my Oscar ballot be? I've released it publicly. I do that every year. I've never felt so icky about loving someone so much as the way I love Bo Burnham in this movie. I know. Uh, Brilliant. (laughs) hate how much I love the performance <laughs> and everything about he was like one of my personal supporting acts like I think he should have been nominated shout out to Bo Burnham always but it was so, it his character in particular and the way he plays him is so like it it it, it, it straddles this line that I, I've never seen before and you hate that you love him so much because you know where you know this is not Try not to be a spoiler for anyone who hasn't seen it yet because there still might be people who haven't. But it, it's something to grapple with. Did you get that on set watching him work as well, knowing what was coming and things like that? Yeah, definitely. And I think the great thing um, about that relationship between Kerry and Bo is obviously we did some chemistry reads so we could see that chemistry straight away. So we had an idea of how it's going to play out. But yeah, Bo, Bo is so great at, you know, injecting comedy into the moments you didn't know that there was going to be comedy and, and adding things like that. But also there's, you know, there's a, it was interesting to watch the relationship between Carrie and Bo because, you know, it's kind of, there's, there's this nervous nature with Bo and Carrie's so confident in her performance. So it just worked really well. And I think we could tell it was going to be heartbreaking for an audience because I think, 
everyone on set watching it, we, you know, we'd watch those moments and, you know, everyone's be kind of doughy eyed and, and enjoying the moment. And then you'd finish the scene and go, God, I wish we were making a romantic comedy. And then, <laughs> yeah. that, you know, Emerald always talks about that's the other movie we make is the romantic comedy with Carrie and Bo. So I think, I think we all could see that it was going to be heartbreaking and then to see it in the edit was just, you know, it was amazing to see that it worked, but I totally agree. You, it's the guy you love to hate, I guess. And you, you can't, and he's, yeah. I mean, the fact that he doesn't make it, you know, the fact that he is so endearing and charming and lovely makes it so much harder down the line. Mm. And that just makes everything feel complicated and messy. And that is kind of, you know, that's, I think, closer to life. Everything isn't so easy. You know, it would be so easy to be like, he's the bad guy, he's the good guy, da 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 But the fact that it is like, oh, the fact that I think a lot of audience members find themselves kind of wanting to make an excuse for him later on because yeah. they're like, yes. oh, he was, Margot, he was young. Like, I don't know. I'm so, glad you, I'm so glad you said it and I didn't because I was like, that's what I, like, <laughs> I want to make an excuse for him. And I was like, this is what we're talking about in this, like, life and industry. We're not supposed to do this, but I'll do it for Bo Burnham. I know, no, but that's that is that is why he is so perfect for it. If he can make people kind of start in their head excusing what, what's happened, mm-hmm. I mean, then you just understand how we've gotten to the place we've gotten to, don't you? You just go like, that's why this is such a nuanced, complicated, messy thing. It, it's it's there is yeah, there is yeah because yeah. no one is so straightforward. It's um yeah, but he's. He's so delightful. I'm not going to lie. I mean, all, all the girls in the office have a huge crush on Bo Burnham. We'd find any reason to yeah. discuss him. Yeah, I remember him. He chose you sitting right here, by the way. We're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember him. I, I remember Bo coming into the office after we'd finished shooting. And I said to him, oh, Bo's going to come in just for, you know, have a, have a chat, catch up. And I was like, does anyone want to come and sit in? And everyone. <laughs> and, and poor, poor Bo was just sat with like eight people around him. I was like, sorry, and it's just like everyone wanted to be just listening. Yeah. Everyone, everyone loves you. Yeah. 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 Well, let's say something bad about him. He's really tall. I don't like how tall he is. Do you know what? I mean, someone that tall, it is, that's hard to get a frame right when you've got. Oh my, I was well, thinking. Oh, does, does Gary wear like pretty high heels, like to try to like level that out? Because he's, he's like 6'5, right? And he's like very. Yeah, he's, he's tall. really tall. Pretty tall, yeah. He is really tall. Um, yeah, we hate Bo. Never mind. I don't want to talk about him no more. <laughs> Good. Um, Margo, I have a question for you. Yes. Back to Snyder Cut for a minute, because the internet's a terrible place. There's a new thing about, like, Suicide Squad, release the Suicide Squad cut, and we're just going to keep doing these cuts of everything until the day we die. So I, I have to ask, do you, is there a Suicide Squad cut out there? Do you want it? Do you think they should release it? Anything like that? I don't. I mean, look, I'd for personal reasons, I'd just love to watch the the five hour cut of every movie I've ever done because <laughs> you always watch the movie and you're like, oh my god, we didn't get that in there. And that, I mean, there's there's a twenty hour cut of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood that would be, like, I'm like, there's so much, and everyone's like, oh, I loved this movie, and I'm like, you would have, there's so much more that you didn't get to see that we shot that was amazing, and for a million reasons, obviously can't make the cut, but, um, so no, look, I'd watch a, I'd watch a long cut of everything I've been involved with, because you spend so, you spend weeks or months shooting it, maybe not months, probably weeks shooting a segment that just will never be seen by anyone, including yourself, like, you'll never see it, um, but no, I don't, not, not to my knowledge, there is no, uh, mm. David Aircut, uh, that is 
in the works or going to be released, I don't think. Wait, wait, do you hear it? Do you hear all the tears starting at the same time? <laughs> all around the world, all those superhero guys. Like, no, oh, right. <laughs> Um, Shed the tears for all the footage that never gets seen, guys. Yeah. There's, so, there's yeah. so much movie magic on a cutting room. Uh, but hold on. If Craig Gillespie is out there, can we get the five-hour cut of Vitania, please? Because I'll take that right now. <laughs> right Mate, now. Mate, that is another – that's like Promising Young Woman. They're, everything is in there. That was like mayhem shoot. That was – and he was – I mean, we'd do three setups on a scene sometimes, and he'd be like, cut, moving on, got it. And we're like, we only got three setups. He, you sure we don't need any more coverage he's like i've got it he's so confident like that but um yeah that was you're just a bear of bad news today margot robbie that's what it is (laughs) (laughs) any good news with you uh josie let's uh what 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 are you finding yourself attracted to now now that the acronym or not the acronym the label will be with you for all time academy award nominee josie mcmara you're gonna follow projects and people are going to look for what you're doing next what do you find yourself most attracted to as a creative artist um story-wise yeah it's it's a tough question i mean i think the thing that we always try and evaluate with our material and it's the same thing i think when we first um heard emma talk about promising young woman was you know we always loved as a company we look for things that are maybe slightly subversive but you know that's a people use that quite commonly now. So for us, it's like, okay, well, is it truly surprising? And is, is it going to give people something they haven't experienced before? Which I think Promising did, one in kind of its tonal shifts and how it works tonally, but also in, you know, the subject matter. So it's a tough needle to thread, but I think, yeah, we're just looking to surprise people, I think. Um, and to work with, you know, filmmakers like Emily who have such a clear vision of what they want to do because we just want to support that and be a part of it. Mm-hmm. And Margot, the reason I didn't ask you because you're two-time Academy Award nominee now, Margot Robbie, so it's very different for you now. Very Which, different. by the way, I don't know if you read all season. I, I, I can't wait for the Academy to change some rules here because you. I was chasing this, this statistic for you all year uh, as a nominated producer on uh, Promising Young Woman, if, it, if you were one of them. You would have joined Barbara Streisand and Oprah Winfrey, the only two women that have ever been nominated for acting and producing Ever. Really? So, yeah. so, so Francis McDormand did it this year. So she, now there's three. So there's a spot there for That's you. Amazing. By the way, do you know you're, you've done that at the Golden Globes and you're one of only four women to do it there the same time. I don't know if you I- knew that. I did not know that. That is, an, that's an amazing fact. Wow. Yeah. No, I, well, look, we were, there's only a set number of producer, you know, nominated producers there can be. And the ones that got it are obviously the ones that were on the ground. And we were shooting Birds of Prey at the exact same time as we were shooting Promising Young Woman. Mm. In, actually in LA, all at once, mm. Lucky Chap had, we were shooting a short film with another director who we adore, Fran. We were shooting a TV show called Dollface in LA as well. We were shooting Birds of Prey also in LA, which I was, you know, the onset producer for that. And we were shooting Promising Young Woman in LA. So four things all at once. It was. Um, and people was, say you never shoot in LA, or we we never thought we'd shoot anything in LA, and we shot everything. We in shot LA. everything. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. the you'll shoot now. I wish I, I wish I could have. I mean, obviously, making a movie is years long, but the shoot part, I wish I could have been on set every day for Promising Young Woman. There's so many things yeah. I was just wanting to see firsthand. But. And I think we we all, because like Margot said, there's, they give, give us a certain number of nominations out, but I think our, the producing group, including you know, Emerald, Ben, Ashley, we all view it as 
it was a collective effort, you know, because people do things at different stages and different things. So even though it's not named, I think we view it as all of us are nominated, I guess. He's so humble. Listen to I'm going to get them to change the rules. It'll be fine. I'm going to work on this. <laughs> you have a word. It's going to happen. Um, okay, I have two last questions for you. Uh, one is, there's, a, there's another stat I'm going to throw at you. If Emerald wins original screenplay, which is a very good chance that she will, crossing fingers, and Chloe Zhao wins adapted screenplay, it's going to be the first time that two solo female screenwriters have won the screenplay categories in history at the Oscars. A oh, fun no. little fact, though, this is what it's so much fun about it. Uh, Emerald's been nominated three times. There's only been two other women that have been nominated for three Oscars the same year. It happened at the same year. Sofia Coppola, Lost in Translation, Fran Walsh, Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. They both won screenplay, but Fran shared hers with Peter Jackson and Philippa Boyens. That's why it's not solo. So when you guys, when women come into the Oscars, you just take over everything. That's the moral of the story. <laughs> but what I wanted to ask you was, future of the industry, future of what you guys are working on collectively next, what are you working on next in terms of those underrepresented voices, voices, uh, voices, excuse me, and artists that are looking to have their stories told? Yeah, I mean, we have, we have a, just like our appetite, I guess we have our, our slate kind of represents that we, there is a very established talent who we are dying to work with and are working with, but our passion and really the impotence of starting the company was for those first and second time filmmakers. So it's, it's, it's something we put a, put a lot of time and effort behind. And then beyond that, especially speaking to underrepresented voices in the industry, we uh, partook in the LEP program. We started with Christina Hodson, who incidentally is the writer of Birds of Prey. She had this amazing idea for the Lucky Exports Pitch Program, where we had six writers, um, all female identifying writers, uh, kind of do this program where you begin with the idea and at the end of it have a pitch that we take out and sell to the town. So that was that was kind of a really important thing, I think, for the for us to do and 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 also it was just nice to see that even talking about statistics even just doing that changed the statistics of how many female writers uh are working in the action space etc etc which is obviously a high paying kind of space when it comes to writing um so that's something that's hugely important to lucky chap and we're now you know producing all those projects and getting them made uh which is the next biggest you know hurdle after after selling a pitch is actually getting it made and then beyond that I think it it's just inherently within our taste and interest to to kind of seek out those voices who have a point of view that we're yet you know to go to what Josie said earlier about truly surprising people I mean you never find something surprising you need to hear different points of view (laughs) you know there's there's a lot of things that sometimes you're like oh I'm reading this and this is great but it reminds me of 50 other things and uh you know I just love that right now there are so many emerging voices where they can have a distinct point of view and you can just see a scenario that you probably haven't seen on screen in the last however many decades yeah. And I think, you know, we always talk about it. And I think Tom actually said this recently, like as a company, we always want to be on the right side of culture and making sure we're, you know, we're up to date with everything and pushing out the stories that should be told and haven't been told before. So I think that's a big part, again, a big part of how we evaluate material and 
what we're looking to do next is like, you know, is this relevant? Is it a story that needs to be told? And yeah, just making sure we have our finger on the pulse. Awesome. All right. My last question, Margo, I think you've been hanging out with John David Washington a little bit uh, over the last <laughs> little bit of time. JD, Jelly uh, Donut. Another movie coming. Anything you want to dish or talk about? Um, if I start speaking about that movie, I'm pretty sure a little red dot will start finding its <laughs> way and David or Russell will be up in the hills over there with a sniper and he'll, I'll be gone. I'll be dead. <laughs> it's not worth it. It's not even worth it. Do you? I, I'd, I'd be murdered. Are, are you, are you still shooting? No. No. Wrapped. Just wrapped. Literally just wrapped for it very, very recently. So and what do you work? So what are you working on next after that? Uh, the next thing I'll be working on is Babylon, the Damien Chazelle film, which is going to be <laughs> epic too. Again, shooting in LA. So yeah. many things. Uh, I, You're never going to leave LA. That's just you now. Just it's you. ironic because, you know, a lot of actors always do want to work in LA and I'm, I'm very happy to travel because I like doing jobs, um, you know, away from where I live. Uh, but ironically, I don't know, it just keeps just keeps turning out that way. Everyone's going to start calling your agent and be like, can you please stop giving Margo all the LA roles, please? And send her to the ground so I can work yeah. here. Because they all have kids and stuff in school. Like, I'm, I, logistically, they need to stay put. I don't. I can get up and go. <laughs> I like a job somewhere tra- tropical, you know, somewhere maybe set in the Bahamas or... Yeah, we always, we always say, right, what's our surf movie? Where we can yeah, surf we keep trying to make a surf movie happen. Oh, we've tried that so many times just because... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys can do. Uh, you guys can do a little remake of Airborne from the surfing perspective. Uh, yeah. We could we'll do a whole. Bunch. Listen, don't. <laughs> no, don't worry. We we have not yeah, given yeah. up on this. Still going. We're yeah. still trying. <laughs> we we got we have a really good sit down. I'll talk about some surfing movies. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. but no. Uh, thank you for taking this time with me uh, today, Margo. I I've spoken to you so many times, and I've always enjoyed our time together. Yeah. Um, so just keep on doing what you're doing. And Josie, so I like this little competition you have to get Oscar nominations, and you guys can just keep building up on that. <laughs> and we'll just see what you guys do. Josie, do you want to direct that all? I actually have that particular thing. Do you want to direct? No. I, I you know, I, I know my limitations, and I'm better at supporting people who have the vision, I think, is my what I'm better at. So um, I don't think you're giving yourself credit. <laughs> we'll see. But I, I don't. feel like Margot thinks you can direct something. No, but I mean, Margot's the, got the directing eye, not me, but we'll see. I, I, I actually asked Margot a few years ago if you ever wanted to direct, and you said, yeah, I'm getting the itch, but then you didn't answer. Are you still have the itch? I still have the itch, but I'm not, I'm not in any, like, great hurry. I know, I, yeah, I have, I have the itch, and it, yeah, I, yes, is the short <laughs> answer. Yes, I would like to. I don't know when. That's Margot Robbie and Josie McNamara, producers of Promising Young Woman, now available in theaters and on demand. So if Promising Young Woman writer-director Emerald Fennell and Nomadland writer-director Chloe Zhao were to win the original and adapted screenplay Oscars at this year's ceremony, it would mark the first time that two female solo writers would win the two Oscar screenplay categories. But just as big, Fennell has been nominated for three Oscars this year, making her just the third woman ever to do so. Clayton Davis sat down virtually with Fennell to talk about her first day of shooting Promising Young Woman, as well as what's coming next in her directorial career 
and her upcoming gig writing Zatanna for the DCEU. But first, they began their conversation by finally getting to basics on how do you pronounce Fennell. Oh, I think the internet, I think, oh, I think the internet's got some very thrilling debates. Uh, but this, yes, it's a really, to be honest, I don't really mind. It feels, it, also, it feels a bit sort of bougie to mind. But I, it's you shouldn't mind. Didn't you say your name correctly? Listen, you might have your name um, read during a certain ceremony coming up and you would like them to say it a little correctly. Well, it's, yeah, so it is, it is Fennell, but... There are lots of people with the same last name, and it's about 50-50. Like, half of the people say Fennel, and half the people say Fennel. Wow, so you're just, like, in the middle. Sure. So I'm, but I'm on the Fennel side. That's fine. <laughs> Those two wells at the end, the misleading second <laughs> So they get, you, they get you going. So, um, congratulations on your multiple Oscar nominations. One of four women in history... They have received three or more. The two or two happened this year, you and Chloe. And then the other two happened together as well in 2003. Sophia, Sophia Coppola and Fran Walsh. Wow. You guys just roll together. When you guys come in, you roll in deep. Yeah, we do. We just like to be in sync. <laughs> so I have to ask, what does it feel like? I mean, this is bananas, right? For you? It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's it. It's so. I think it's also probably compounded by the fact that we're all in isolation. So, you know, you get this incredible, like life-changing once in a lifetime news. And then you turn off your computer and you're like, what do I do? You know, you sort of, do you go outside and like scream at the sky or, you know, you just do what, well, do what the English always do and make a cup of tea and have a sort of, have a sit down, but it's just incredible. It's inc- it's beyond. I don't think anyone who makes a movie, especially like a movie like this, which was it's an independent film, and you know it, it's up to a point a genre film, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, yeah, never in our wildest dreams, but it's the best. It's amazing. I mean, I know that like it's all downhill from here. You know? <laughs> I can feel the sort of precipice at my toes. <laughs> maybe not maybe it just i mean listen you already got some cool stuff lined up and i'll give i'll get to that later but like you you're i mean i think we underestimate or or just forget how long this road has been for you like this started at sundance yeah 13 months ago <laughs> and yeah. then now we're here and we finally got to this you know the, the movie's being seen like widely you know got VOD. Um, it's getting great notoriety, uh, a ton of BAFTA nominations, got, got home court advantage there. Um, did you, when you set out to make this, when you set, when you were writing it and direct, did you always knew you were going to write and direct it, by the way? I don't know if we know that. Yes. You always knew you were going to do both. Yes, I think so. I, I made my short film, uh, so I made a short film called Careful How You Go in 2018 in order to sort of show that I could, well, show to myself, I think probably as much as anyone else that I could make something. And um, yeah, I I just didn't, I I suppose it had never really crossed my mind that it would be something I would, yeah, that I would give to someone else. Did you ever consider starring in it yourself? Um, I did not. I think there are a few very good reasons. The first being I was 
extremely pregnant, which would have made the drunk scenes in the nightclub give a slightly different sort of vibe. But I think also, um, I just, I have so much admiration for people who can direct themselves, but I am way too vain and selfish. And if if I had starred in it, it would have just been a soft focus film in slow motion of me. With isn't lovely playing in the background in a window yeah. gently toying with my hair. I think that's the thing. Is like you, you're always going to give yourself an extra take, aren't you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I need to get that from an angle. Good side. <laughs> oh, just it's like let's make the. Yeah. Um, but also, I think the truth of it is, is that Carrie is so amazing, and she's the person I sort of always felt in my bones you know, was, was Cassie. So it, it, it was always, it, yeah, for me, it was kind of always her. And of course I do, I am in the film, um, as, uh, blowjob lip, blowjob lips, uh, makeup tutorial, uh, uncredited in brackets, which is now on my IMDb page. My, the make the first thing that comes up. It's the, it's the best credit, the best credit you could receive. So <laughs> I'm down for it. Uh, going back to you, uh, getting started with the film, when you wrote it and knew you were going to direct it and you got Carrie on board, um, can you, can you, do you recall the first day of shooting, what that felt like? Like really get, getting it all started for you? Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely can remember it. It sort of seared into my brain. Um, the first day of shooting was, uh, it was in West Hollywood at a restaurant called Jar, which actually a lot of people who've seen the film recognize it. Um, uh, and it is the scene uh, between Madison and Cassie um, in the restaurant. So, uh, yeah, it was just, it was amazing. It was, it was kind of, I just remember getting out of the car, getting out of my car in the parking lot and kind of walking towards, you know, set and thinking, okay, I'm doing this. My feet are on the pavement. They're walking towards. <laughs> we're going. We're going. No, you know. It's, and I think that's what happens. Is yeah. You, it just it's so surreal and exciting. And um, I just sort of couldn't wait. I think honestly. And you said you were pregnant at the time. So you yeah. You're going through this huge transition. Both. <laughs> Like, you know, in your career. And then I, I, I can only imagine, like, the, the I mean, was there, a, did you feel amount, uh, an amount of pressure going into it? Like, were you nervous about it? Or you were like, I can do this. Like, I got this. Well, I think I was really lucky because the producers were so cool about it. Um, and the Bond team and all the people who, you know, once I, once I realized I was still going to be allowed to make it, it was fine. And in a weird way, uh, I think the thing that probably I needed to hear and why it's nice for me to be able to say this to other women is fine. It's completely fine. It's completely doable. Um, it was such an unknown. And I think so many of us kind of are worried about it happening because we're worried it's just going to kind of put a bomb in the middle of our careers. But actually, you know, as long as you're working with people who are great, it is to- completely fine. Um, and I barely noticed. I mean, I was just enormous. Mm. Uh, <laughs> you, were still, you were still beautiful, though. So that's all that matters. You were great. I've seen pictures on set. 
<laughs> but um, but no, it was fine. It was it was, and, and I'm a very negligent mother, very bad mother. So I mean, really, it um, <laughs> wasn't too much of a change. <laughs> um. So and let's bring this up. I think, especially because because it's been the theme of the season. So it's, it's women empowerment. This women have taken over the academy greatly, deservingly so. Taken over Hollywood. Two women just made history this year, um, and it comes on the heels back in September of the of the Oscars announcing their diversity and representation requirements. They're going to take right. place in the next three years. I wanted to give you the opportunity to speak about, you know, representation, inclusivity, because I think what gets muddled very often is that the old grumpy guys of the upper academy, when they hear that, they're like, oh, we have to just put like black people in our movies, but they don't see how it's a totality of female direct- directors, producers, and, and, and all the, all these things. Absolutely. Speak to that. Absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 as you say, it's not just in front of the camera. That's a huge, I think the visibility there is really important though, because it's really important growing up and knowing that these things are accessible to you. So that is super important. But yes, it's, it is in every department. It's, it's just, you know, everyone just, I think working harder to make it more accessible to everyone there. And, and as you say, it's like, it's, taken a long time I think sadly for every industry to catch up but this one yeah certainly in particular but like you know it's so funny it's I think particularly you know as it pertains to women we really are like the majority (laughs) there are more of us (laughs) so it's a kind of really interesting and strange thing to kind of be both ubiquitous and invisible and I can't speak to, you know, to, to everyone else, but but I, I can't even imagine how much that is doubled if you're a trans person, if you're a person of colour. So um, it's kind of, it's, it's, I guess when you're talking about the sort of grumpiness of it, I think what people seem to think is that change is bad, as though change isn't crucial and exciting and hasn't made, hasn't literally made every facet of our lives better and more interesting and more, like, uh, fulfilling, I suppose. Because that's what's so exciting, certainly for me, this year with film, is like, you know, setting aside my own, my own thing, um, you're just, you're just, nothing looks the same. Nothing's made the same way. Nothing, you know, stars people who look the same, who have the same backgrounds. That's what, you know, film should be insightful. It should give you something that you've not seen before. It should feel, you know, it should feel like you have experienced something that you wouldn't experience in your everyday life, I guess. That's why it's so exciting. So, to this year to suddenly see suddenly see it sort of so kind of um I don't know what the what the expression is like when you suddenly can kind of see you look at all of these films and you're like wow they're just all so thrilling it's so and, and so that's the thing for me it's like it's such a good thing it's such an exciting thing that um you know that that it can only be it can only be encouraged and like as quickly as humanly possible obviously 
Uh, do you feel as though, I don't know if anyone's asked you this, have you, do you feel like you've fallen in love more with writing and directing than you have with acting or is it still pretty like evenly spread out? I mean, I think the thing is, is I just, um, to answer in a really sort of slippery way, but it is true. I just like making things. I like making things. I like working with people. It's usually, for me, it's just like, I didn't, I think like a lot of people, I grew up not knowing this was a like possible job. <laughs> like, and I'm very, you know, I'm aware I'm very like privileged middle-class woman. Um, but even still, the idea of making like a movie in Hollywood is as far-fetched as like being the queen or whatever it is. It just was impossible. And so for me, it has always been about whatever I can do, whatever I can do to make stuff with people I admire. So so with acting, it's like, you know, with The Crown, really I, that year I, I, you know, I did it literally between Killing Eve series two and Promising a Woman in the kind of tiny gap. And again, you know, pretty pregnant. Um, and in many ways, it was a madness to do it. But but you can't say no to working on... If you love stuff, if you love set design and costume, and if you love good actors, you know, working, turning down working with Josh O'Connor was just impossible, you know? On a show like that, on a show where there's not the scale of it is like nothing you've ever seen, particularly in England where we do make like incredible stuff. But I think the budgets that people like Netflix give you, you know, I remember going into a room in one of the rooms in the studio and there was just a carriage, the queen's carriage, gold carriage. And they, and I was like, Oh my God, it's just incredible. And they said, well, we just couldn't get it right. So we just had the hot, the actual carriage 3d printed and rendered and made. Like the attention to detail, if you love that stuff, you can't say no. This is such like highfalutin, long-winded way of saying like, I can't decide, I'm greedy. And I'm also very grateful to be allowed to do anything. So I will do <laughs> anything that I can. And, and I, have, I have to ask you something. And, this, and I, w- I want to make clear, this is no shades of focus features because they gave you a great uh, platform to release your film. But I just needed to ask this as we're coming off of, the Snyder cut that has been released by Warner Brothers. Is there an emerald cut of Promising Young Woman? <laughs> four hours. I need to know. Does it exist? I love the idea. I wish, I wish, honestly, we used every second of footage we had. You know, we shot this film in 23 days. And, you know, that that is a, an impossible ask, even if you're in, you know, if you're making a movie that's very contained in one or two locations. We were moving location at least at least two or three times a week. So, you know, often a few times a day. So, like, I, the idea, the dream of having excess footage that could go into my incredibly megalomaniacal cut. <laughs> but sadly, it was, you know, we, we the amazing editor, Fred, who has been nominated for an Oscar, which is just the most amazing and exciting and well-deserved thing in the world. You know, it was so much of it was finding space. It was the opposite problem. We were like, how do we get, you know, the the first thing that goes is always cutaways. It's always like little still moments. The thing that I think for me next, 
the only I like actually making things in quite a contained way I think it's quite thrilling and I loved making this film even though it was complicated but like yeah what I have learned is you need a window pane with some rain running down it you need a phone ringing there are a few things that really in the edit without which you're really you're in trouble and we were you know it was it was tight it was very tight that's awesome um as you now go into the Oscars uh, ceremony, first of all, are, are you going to the Oscars? Because I know oh. we're in this very weird spot right now in our, the world. Will you be yeah. I hope so. I'm desperate to. I mean, obviously, I'm just waiting. I suppose we're all waiting for the travel update. You know, it's just like, because I'm in the UK at the moment and the idea of missing it is so awful. I can't even bear to think about it, but obviously it's just whatever's safe and allowed. You know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to break the law by swimming the Atlantic, yeah. uh, but I genuinely would if I had time yeah. or the, or the core strength. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's my, that's my worry also. And the reason why I asked that is because if you win original screenplay, which is a very good chance you might. If you do, you're going to be the first female solo screenwriter since Diablo Cody, Juno, 2007. Oh, wow. She's so... It's been a very long time. That is is extraordinary. And also, just another fun fact, if Chloe wins adapted screenplay, it will be the first time that two solo female screenwriters have won ever in history. Wow. (gasps) God, it's the thing is about all of that stuff is like, I just can't think about it, you know, because it's just, this is already so much further. I'm so, I'm like so far away from Kansas. <laughs> I have like the, the, the hurricane has taken me, you know, I'm miles away. And so just the idea to even think about winning anything is like just too, it, I think it it seems too crazy. So to me, like, although it does sound very cheesy, it is nevertheless completely true that being nominated is more than I ever dreamed of. And so I can't imagine thinking ahead of that. But, but you know, having said that, it's so, I just feel very, it's really, it's really strange in this position when you've made your first film. And so in many ways you feel so, you're looking up, you're, I, I'm looking up at so many people and, um, and I'm so grateful, particularly to all these women who just have, been making such amazing things for such a long time and and so it feels so odd to me to even be in a conversation with someone like Chloe or or you know to 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 be yeah to be kind of setting any kind of um uh what is the word you know when something new happens this is why I shouldn't win any awards yeah (laughs) I shouldn't win any awards for writing because I can't string a sentence together but you know it's just it's an odd it's an odd position to be in because I because I feel both extremely proud and also you know um just I'm still kind of in shock I think yeah I mean listen fun fact is that that last time I spoke about with Fran Walsh and Sofia Coppola they both also won screenplay prizes but Fran Walsh didn't win solo because she co-wrote with Peter Jackson Oh, yes, of course. I can't believe those two were in the same year. Isn't it funny the way your brain, like, of course, now now you've said it, I know, but you kind of compartmentalize things in such different ways. Yeah. Um, That's funny. You guys rolled together. Um, Okay, my my last big question, because it came up, Zatanna, 
You get into yeah. stuff. Um, I, based on my, I, I'm not a big comic book nerd. Like I knew superheroes, but I looked it up. Uh, it's like the DC version of Scarlet Witch. Um, are, it said that you were writing it. Are Are you directing it? Or do you want to direct it? Does that come up at all? And what, what excites you about it? I mean, it's so exciting. It's um, that is not a conversation that's happened at all. So I have just no insight at all. And, and also, we're sort of still very early days. I mean, actually, it's something that we've been working on for a for a while. So uh, so I've been speaking to to Bad Robot, who are amazing, and all of those guys for a while. Um, uh, but I think until this, you know, you just want to get the first bit right, which is the script, before thinking of anything else. And it is a very specific thing. You know, it's a the world of the superhero movies is incredibly exciting, but it's also like a new, different challenge too. So, um, yeah, the main thing for me is making sure that it's really, really good. Would you be, would you be open to directing it if they asked you to? Do you know what? I'm going to be a little slime ball and I'm not even going to answer that question because I know whatever I say, they will be like, we don't, either one way or another, I'll be, yeah. I'll, I know I'm t- so terrified of um, yeah. of putting my foot wrong. But look, I, all I, what I can say is like, you know, I'm such a, such a genre fan. I'm such a sci-fi fan. I'm a fan of witchcraft and magic and comic books and all this stuff. So this is just like really thrilling. It's really fun because it's all of the sweet spots. It's the kind of, yeah, it's the dark universe. It's it's scary and it's magical and it's intense. And this, the, you know, the, the thing about the comic book world, the DC comic book world is it's much kind of, it's much richer and stranger and more adult, um, I suppose, than like one would necessarily not if if you weren't familiar with comic books you would necessarily know so it's a really exciting like i'm right in the middle of it like trying just reading as much as possible and i love it it's so cool awesome well anything else you're working on next besides like do you have another original thing so yeah so i so i'm i'm just i'm just writing my i'm just writing something yeah what's really nice i think what worked so well with promising a woman was just writing the script there's no I don't think there's any I don't think really there can be any um substitute for just showing people the script and it's finished so I haven't spoke the thing that I'm doing next that I want to direct next is you know that is my own thing um is no one has seen it no one no one knows anything about it even my management and all those so it will be which is you know it's a blessing and a curse because we all either see it and go holy shit this is the worst thing we've ever read. Or, you know, it, I just want people to experience it like they would if they were watching a film for the first time, rather than by the time they read it, they know it inside out and they're kind of sick of the sight of it. All right. I'll, 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 take, the, I'll take that answer. That's fine. <laughs> What's your favorite TV show, by the way? I, I, don't, I need to know this. What did what you show, watch growing up? Uh, all TV. Every TV series is my favorite TV series. <laughs> at the moment, Married at First Sight, Australia, obsessed. 40 episodes. They are an hour and a half long each. And they it couldn't, I wish it was longer. 90 Day Fiance and every spin-off they've ever had. Obsessed. My my sister, when I, my wonderful sister, when I got nominated, she sent me um 
lots of cameos from the couples from 90 Day Fiance. And it's the most starstruck I've ever been. Um, and but but I think succession has got, I don't know that there's anything. I mean, it's Shakespearean and it's yeah. so funny. It's sublime. It's just amazing. But you know, that's the thing now. Like everything's so good. Yeah. My wife has been watching a lot of 90 Day Fiance the entire pandemic. And fun fact, her best friend before she got married, got accepted to married at first sight. And they were looking for her husband. And then she met the guy who who is now her husband and couldn't do the show anymore. She was going to marry someone like at the altar. It was going to be amazing. That is your wife must be so disappointed. We almost don't want to talk to her anymore. We're like, (laughs) yeah, we'll we'll get fell in love. That's that's doofus like a terrible <laughs> person it was horrible oh world <laughs> i love you so much and i am so happy for you i'm I'm like i'm really really happy for you i'm happy for a lot of people this year but like it could have happened to like just a, a nicer person and the movie's great and i i feel like you're gonna have a really good april 25th it's just my oh goodness. lord well look i think thank you so much and thank you for all your support and like is this the first year that you've done am i misremembering a, a, that a variety yes i've been around yeah for like, but, but first year of variety so i handled the pandemic year of all yeah years. well but that's still i mean because it's the coverage is just so amazing and so thorough and so like yeah it's just i'm just so grateful i'm just so grateful it, yeah, it's. It, I, I. I still haven't found a way of articulating properly, like how supremely lovely this is, because it's. It's odd with promising a woman because the the film, yeah, the film is quite. It, it is challenging and it is tricky and it does provoke a lot of very understandable emotions on all sort all sides of you know the argument. Um, but so I very rarely get to tell people or say how wonderful this is and how amazing the whole experience has been. Like, you know, just getting to make a film and then it being, you know, received in such a like joyful way. It's just like, it's just best. It sounds like, I mean, just sound like a, (laughs) sound like a competition winner all the time. I've got to get like a sort of director's beret and start to be really cool about it. I'm glad you say that though, because I, I think there's always like this apprehension for, you know, celebrities and directors and filmmakers to, to like to not acknowledge that this feels really good it's okay to like say like this is effing awesome like who has not practiced an oscar speech when they were a kid like like everyone that, that does it like there's no shame in the game like this like it, you you didn't set out to make an oscar movie you set out to make a movie and then it got what it got and yeah. it, and you should feel great about like there's no <laughs> you should not feel bad about feeling awesome about it. it I is, don't, well, I don't feel bad. I feel, I just feel like it's, you know, there's something uncool, I think, sometimes about being, do you know what I mean? Yeah. We, we all kind of grew up with this idea that, like, you've just got to pretend that everything is, like, normal. It's just yeah. normal. But yeah. I'm just not very good at that. And also, everyone who worked on my film took a pay cut. You know, they all worked on it because they wanted to give it a shot and give it a try, and they had faith in it you know, I was punching above my weight with every single cast and crew member. And so like, just 
that feels so amazing that so many of them have been nominated. And then like, yeah, just, just because, you know, going back to that day that you asked about at the beginning, like going back to that day when I was walking to set, I didn't know. You don't know if it's going to be possible. And so I just feel, I just feel so grateful that, um, yeah, that, that all of their hard work has been kind of acknowledged as well. It's been amazing. It's crazy. That's Emerald Fennell, Oscar-nominated for Original Screenplay, Director, and Best Picture, all for Promising Young Woman. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider, that is me, is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Janelle Riley, Jazz Tanke, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.